morning, everybody. Tyler, the message is live intentionally. Do it on purpose. Make decisions and then follow those. You know, there's a lot that happens in life intentionally, and then there's things that happen unintentionally. Um, you get married intentionally. You know, you can't go, oh, wow, I had no idea. I just got married. I wasn't planning on it, and I woke up and realized I was married. No, there's legal requirements. You have to go before a justice of the peace or a ceremony. There have to be witnesses. You've got to get a license. Why? So that they force you to do it intentionally because it's a big decision. But not everything in life is that way. You can get lost unintentionally. You know, now, if you get lost intentionally, that's a different sermon, and I'll try and help you later. But you're not planning on it. You're trying to get to where you're going, and then all of a sudden you realize, I have no idea where I'm at. I didn't plan on it. It just kind of happened that way. You know, a speeding ticket. It's unintentional. Sort of. But that usually is not going to get you out of the ticket. You know, it doesn't matter. They're like, no, here's how fast you're going. Why you were going that fast doesn't matter. I, my first speeding ticket as a 16-year-old, I got clocked on an Iowa country highway passing a semi. You know, now, and I argued with the, uh, the Iowa Highway Patrol. I go, you're taught to get around the semi as fast as you can. You clocked me right in the middle of the pass. I go, nobody like goes the speed limit passing a semi when you got one lane in each way. And he goes, it doesn't matter. Here's your ticket. It was about a $32 fine. That was about the only benefit of being from, you know, Iowa in 1983. His fines were cheap. But I want you to think about your life and what you're trying to achieve, what, what your goal is. You know, most worthwhile things in life happen because you make a decision along the way that you want to pursue that direction. And then you work hard and you labor and you suffer and you persevere to accomplish that goal. You know, your spiritual life fits into that category. Just write down this reference. You don't need to turn there. But in Amos 3.3, 3, the Bible says, Do two walk together unless they have agreed to do so. You know, it kind of makes sense. But as you're living life, you don't just walk next to somebody unless you say, Okay, let's walk next to each other. You're going in different directions. Well, if you're trying to get on board with God and what He wants, you got to, somewhere along the line, make a decision, I'm going to go with God. Now, sometimes... We, we blow it at the very beginning here because what we say is, I want to keep doing what I'm doing. And if God wants to be with me, then he needs to change what he's doing and just walk next to me. No, you see, God's goals, his dreams, his word, his righteousness is already set. So the one who's got to make decision is sitting in this room. And I want to turn and spend our time over in the book of Matthew and see what Jesus says about living intentionally. 
And this is from the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus has many, many people that have gathered to hear his wisdom for life. Various reasons motivated them to be in the audience. But Jesus had a lot to tell them about life. And in Matthew chapter 7, in verse 24, he says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down and the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. You know, it's not getting to church that Jesus is talking about. Because we can all hear the word. We can read the message of what Jesus wants us to do. But he said that hasn't distinguished anyone. He says, what, what's the difference? Whether or not we put it into practice. You see, to take what you hear from the words of Jesus and put them into practice demands a response. It demands intentionality. We're not going to leave and just, you know, haphazardly go, wow, I had no idea, but I'm actually living exactly the way Jesus wants me to live. We will either do it purposely or it won't happen at all. You know, Jesus tells this story to the masses because it has a point. He said, all the houses look the same until the storms of life come. And sometimes we can get faked out feeling like we're in one place when we're really in another place. And we think, I'm good, you know, I'm fine. I know I'm not really devoted to what Jesus tells me to do. But I read my Bible once in a while. I attend church once in a while. And I feel pretty good about myself. And then the storms of life come, and they always come. You go, wait, I don't understand. I was doing so good. What happened? And Jesus says the foundation was revealed. I remember after the Northridge earthquake getting a, a lesson in foundations. Going up into Porter Ranch, you know, a hillside community. And, of course, they built all these neighborhoods into the hillside. So they would cut into the mountain on one side. And then they would take all that dirt and fill on the outside. So the outside homes had the best views. But their lot was all on dirt that was compacted. The inside lots to the hillside didn't have the view. But it was the, the ground that was cut into the mountain. And you could drive down the street and all the outside homes, red tag, red tag, red tag, red tag. And all the houses on the inside, green, 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 green. And say before the earthquake, people were like, oh, I wish I could have one of those view lots. After the earthquake, they're going, man, I'm so glad I was on the good foundation. You know, Jesus says we don't have to wait till the storms come to know how our house is going to perform. You know, that'd be kind of a bummer, like, 
wow, I guess I have to live my life in total fear of the storm, and I don't find out till after the storm where my foundation is at. No, Jesus says there's a simple decision that we can make. Put the word into practice. Now, there's some of you in the audience that go, yeah, but I'm not ready to commit to believing everything that he says. I don't necessarily know if it's true. I, maybe I believe that some of it is. Maybe there's some part of it. I feel like this would be good. Some that I don't get. And, I, you know, and so if you're saying I got to uh, believe all of it before I start, you know, I'm kind of in a catch-22 there. Well, turn over to John chapter 8. You see, Jesus knows the way that, that our minds are wired. And so he anticipated that question. And he gives you an answer. And in verse 31 and 32 of John chapter 8, it says, To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. He was speaking to a group of Jews that had an intellectual belief that he was the Christ. But that's kind of where it ended. They weren't obeying any of it. They weren't taking any words of his and actually putting them into practice in his life. They had roadblocks to their faith. And Jesus says, listen, intellectual belief isn't enough anyway. He says, put it into practice. Then you will know the truth. Now, see, that should be good news for all of us. Because if you read the words of Jesus and you go, well, I just have a hard time believing that. What Jesus tells you to do, obey it anyway. Knowledge of the truth of it will come later. Now, that's pretty awesome. Because what he's saying is you don't have to believe the word of God in order to obey it. But if you obey it, you will come to faith. And I can tell you from experience after being a minister in Canada, you deal with a lot of uh, what I call true atheists because there's kind of trendy atheists and then there's true ones. You know, people that were generational, no belief in God for their entire life. And you say, obey the Bible. Don't even worry about the fact that you have no faith in it. Just put it into practice. And two weeks later, three weeks later, a couple months later, they have developed an incredibly strong faith, and you would never believe that they spent 50 years with zero belief that God exists. You see, this is a promise of God. It's not up to us to fulfill it. God will do that. But he says, you don't need to have a roadblock to your faith. Now, the fact is, a lot of life works this way. I mean, it would be really awesome to know in advance if our financial investments were going to make money before we invested. I mean, wouldn't that be great? And, you know, you can consult all the experts, but the experts haven't necessarily got it right. You know, it happens in sports. What's coach tell you? You need to do it this way. You say, well, I'm not convinced that this way is better than the way I'm already doing it. Coach said, it doesn't matter. Do it the way I teach you. When are you going to know the truth? When you actually implement what you're taught, then you see the truth of it. 
So much of life is that way, that you don't find the actual success and value of it till you've already made the decision to put it into practice. But somehow with our spiritual life, we get this thinking of, no, I need to be convinced beforehand of everything, then I'll start obeying. And Jesus says, if you want to think that way, you, you will never come to a knowledge of the truth. You have to obey first. Then you will know the truth. Go, go back to the book of Matthew to chapter 13. Now, any time God gives you the opportunity to hear his word, God speaks to you, and you start evaluating your life and wanting to make decisions, it will be opposed. Because Satan has made it his mission to keep as many people from, as possible from making it to heaven. And he will not stop until time is ended. And Jesus tells a story about this battle that goes on in Matthew 13. He says, starting in verse 3, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell on the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. He who has ears, let him hear. Then down in verse 18, listen to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The one who received the seed that fell on rocky places is the man who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since he has no root, he lasts only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, he quickly falls away. The one who received the seed that fell among the thorns is the man who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke it, making it unfruitful. But the one who received the seed that fell on good soil is the man who hears the word and understands it. He produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. Jesus talking about the spiritual battle that goes on in the soil of your heart and your mind right now as we speak. You see, because Satan doesn't want you to live intentionally. He doesn't want you to make the kind of decisions that will put you in line with God's word. He doesn't want you to agree to walk with God. He didn't want you to make it, and he will stop at nothing to prevent it. He says when, when the seed is sown, when the word is put out there by God in your heart, he says, and if we fail to understand it, now, I might add, if we fail to understand it and do nothing to gain understanding, we just go, oh, I don't get that, and we leave it right there. Satan will come and snatch it away. Yeah, you look around, people take notes. You say, why? 
Because about an hour after the lesson or a day after the lesson or certainly a week after a lesson, we forget what we heard. You know, maybe you're one of the few that has a photographic memory and you can replay about every detail of a conversation from years gone by. Most of us are not that way. And so Satan loves it. If we don't pay attention, if we just hear, if, if we don't take notes, because that way we'll forget about it and we'll go, oh, that was a nice church service, and it'll be snatched away with no lasting impact in our life. You know, Satan is working right now to distract you, get you to wonder, you know, do the judges like my chili? You know, Satan is working. It is a spiritual battle to stop you from doing what God wants you to do. A lot of the Bible is initially hard to understand. You know, it's confusing. It uses words that we don't use in everyday language. But that's okay. A lot of areas of life are that way. But with work and effort and further study, you know... More Bible studies, asking the questions, getting the answer, and research. And, I, and by research, that doesn't mean Google it. You know, it must be true. I read it on the Internet. Uh, you know, good scholarly research. Now, that doesn't mean you can't find good scholarly things on the Internet. But just because somebody is authoritative about their opinion doesn't mean their authoritative opinion is true. We know that God's word is true. But... It takes hard work sometimes. Hours. But God says, I promise you this, you, you will get back a hundredfold of whatever you invest in my word. It says the path. Why, why did he use the word path? Because it's hard. The seed doesn't penetrate down into the soil. You know, sometimes we can come to church predetermined. I don't care what I hear. I will not let it affect my life. I've already determined no matter what I hear, my life is already fine and I don't need to change anything. And you know what Satan says? Perfect response. Keep going. I like you. He said, God will never influence you. This is awesome. You are right where I want you to be. Are you soft-hearted? Are you giving his word a chance to get into your heart and change your life? Decision's up to us. You know, he talks about another soil, the, the rocky soil. What, what characterizes the rocky soil? It's shallow. You know, there's good intention. I want God to produce something in my life. I want to do what's right. I really like what I hear. But it's shallow. And there's no root. And so when trouble or persecution comes, they quickly fall away. You know, there's things that we believe in our life that may never be tested. You may never get put on a stand. You may, it may never be, you know, put on blast publicly to say, here's what I think. But I can promise you this, whatever you believe about God in his word, I promise you, your individual convictions will be tested. 
Because if they're shallow, you won't survive. And there's times where we rely on other people's faith and strength to get us through a rough time. But if we live a Christian life relying on other people's convictions, we will never make it long term. You say, well, what are we talking about here? It's developing a solid root in our own life. It's here's what I believe. Here's what I believe the Bible teaches. Here's what my faith says. Here's what my convictions are. Because if you believe it when it's tested, your house is built on the rock. But we, we can be, oh, yeah, I believe that's awesome. And then the storms come and your house crashes. Why? Because your conviction was not strong. It has nothing to do about the initial intention. A desire to do what's right is not the same thing as putting the hard work in to build a deep root. Our lives are hugely busy. But the most worthwhile investment you can ever make of your time and energy and effort is your spiritual life. It's the most important decision you'll ever make, but it's also the one that's most greatly opposed. How about the next soil, the thorny soil? That's also a person that says, I want to do what's right. And they're excited about it, and they leave making a decision to live intentionally. You know what I find? The worthwhile decisions I make, I have to keep renewing them every day because life has a way of trying to crowd out the things that are most important. You know, maybe you've heard the phrase, don't let the urgent crowd out the important. You know, well, what, what's the difference between something that's urgent and important? Well, the important things is if you looked at your life over the next 10 years that you said, this is what I want to accomplish. But the urgent is like those moment-by-moment crisis that maybe through lack of planning or circumstances or whatever just feel like, oh, I've got to deal with this right now. And it's a constant battle to go, no, what matters most in life? I tell parents all the time, hey, you don't need to work so many hours. When you get the opportunity to raise your kids, you go, yeah, but if I don't, I won't make as much money and finances will be tight. I said, I promise you this. When you're 60, 70, 80 years old, you will never look back with regret going, man, I just feel like I spent too much time with my family. I should have spent less and earned way more money. Wish I would have done that. No, you never hear people make that regret. No matter what sacrifice is involved, you get one chance to raise your kids. You see, whenever you make the sacrifice for what's important to stand at the front of your life and to resist the urgent, you always look back and go, I'm so glad I made that decision. But life is trying to crowd it out. You know, and the thing about how thorns work, Thorns don't just like, hey, you're living life, and they come up, and bam, you're dead. Wow, I have no idea how that happened. Now, there's a reason Jesus told this story. It says it chokes it out, making it unfruitful. The way weeds work is they suck all the nutrients in the soil so there's nothing left for the good plant. You say, maybe you feel like, I want to, but Ron, I don't have any energy to accomplish this. I don't have any time to accomplish this. Why? 
because the worries of life and the deceitfulness of wealth have crowded out your schedule and, and whatever else fits into that category in your life. You know, Jesus knows the human heart. This was written 2,000 years ago. And yet it applies to us just like it did them. Why? Because we got the same battles that they did. Why? Because we're human. Jesus says you got to live intentionally, but you got to watch out. Because the worries of life, the desire to get rich, it gets in every person's heart, and, it's, and, and you got to battle with it to stay on target. Well, then he says, but the one that received the seed that fell on good soil is the man who hears it and understands it, retains it, and he produces a crop. You know, he takes that word and he makes intentional decisions because of it. You say, what does intentional decisions look like? It's concrete, measurable things. Let me tell you what an unintentional decision. I just want to be a better person. What, what does that mean? Just be better, you know. Or, or here's an unintentional decision. I just want to be a little more loving. What does that mean? You've lived 50 years, and if you're more loving for one minute of one day over the next 50 years, then you satisfied that. That's not, that's not an intentional decision. An intentional decision is something concrete. I will walk with God daily. I will read my Bible. I will, I will pray. I will, you know, get together and do Bible studies. Here's what I will do. I will ask questions. If there's things that I struggle with, I will keep doing my best. I will get my questions answered. And even if I don't believe it, I'm going to put God's promise to the test. I will obey his word. Because he says, if I do that, then I will know the truth. So I'm going to put his word to the test. You know, God will not get critical of that heart. Because basically what you're saying is, God, you made this promise. I'm going to hold you to it. You know what God says? I love that. You know, when, when we're willing to make that kind of a decision, it shows faith. You know, it's like uh, when you talk about the creation of the world. And people say, you know, I don't have any faith. Therefore, I don't believe God created the world. I say, you actually have more faith than I do. Because I'm a scientist, and I believe God created the world. I think it takes more faith to believe it happened without God than to believe it happened with God. You see, it takes faith to make bold decisions. And God is saying, hey, I want to give you the chance. What decision will you make? You know, the storms of life will come. And maybe you're in the midst of a storm right now. You know, it's never fun to be in a storm, and especially if the house is crashing down. You know, it's like being in a leaky tent in the rain. You know, it's just not as much fun. 
Maybe that's where you're at right now. You know what the good news? It's never too late to change. You see, if the foundation that you're in right now isn't working, hey, you can build a new foundation. The story's not over. You're here. You can make a different decision right now. God is sowing the seed in your heart. Satan sees it. He knows it. He knows what you're thinking right now. He knows what decisions you want to make. And he's making plans to try and block the way. So I want to challenge everybody in here. Make intentional decisions. We will never haphazardly live the way God wants us to. We're not going to get lucky. We either do it because we did it on purpose or it won't happen at all. You know, the good news is wherever we're at, whatever soil we have, if our heart's been hard, we can get in there and we can dig. We can open up that soil. We can till it. We, we can break up that ground. We can fertilize. We can water and make it good soil. If you got weeds, you can get rid of them. You know, they, lots of good spiritual herbicides out there. Trefland, that's the one they always advertised in Iowa. You say, yeah, but it's going to take decisions. You've got to do something to get the weeds out of your life. You say, what if it's rocky? Pick the rocks out. Make it good soil. You know, if you've tried to grow a garden here in Southern California, you will learn real quick. Not good soil. You, you got to get some good stuff and mix it deep down in the ground. Or that hard clay-like stuff that you're trying to grow good vegetables isn't going to work very well. But with work and effort, you can get there. You see, every single one of us has the opportunity this morning. Our entire series is about evaluating our life, seeing where we're at, but seeing where we want to go. You know, God has a great vision for you. But it boils down to decisions that each one of us is going to make. Say, what will you do? What chance will you give God to work in your life? I pray for each one of us as we take the Lord's Supper at this time that God will move you to make intentional decisions. Let's bow together as we pray. Father, thank you so much for this time uh, to worship you. Uh, thank you for your message to us and the way that your word speaks so much to the human heart. Father, I know that each one of us has the same battles that they did 2,000 years ago and that you have an incredible plan for each one of our lives. I pray that you give us the courage and the faith uh, to make intentional decisions. We know Satan is trying to stop us, uh, to put roadblocks in front of us, and I pray that, that you give us uh, just that intestinal fortitude to, ho to hold firm in the decisions we make, and uh, that you will bless our obedience to your word with an incredible faithfulness that comes uh, from after that. Father, thank you so much for your son dying for us on the cross. Uh, we know without his sacrifice, all of this would be meaningless because we'd be doomed to hell. And yet, Father, you've given us an opportunity for eternal life. Uh, we are so grateful for the chance. We're so grateful 
for the life that you've called us to. Be with us now as we meditate on our decisions, as we take the bread and the fruit of the vine. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.